And so I'm excited that he uh, taking out time. You just don't know as busy as judges are to have one drive all the way down 95 on a work day and come here to New London, Connecticut is a big deal. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. We need to appreciate that. And our dear sister who's with him as a jury administrator has come from Bridgeport, which is just a little bit. Woo. So, you know, to be here tonight means they wanted to be here. Uh, I don't think they get anything extra for doing it. They're doing what they think they need to do to help make the world a little better place. And so I pray that you will listen to them. I'm not going to have any further preliminaries. I'm going to invite Judge Meyer to come. Uh, Judge, you can call for the video whenever you're ready and make preliminary remarks and ask for the video, whatever you desire to do. Please welcome with me, Judge Meyer. Wow. What a, what a treat to be here. Please be seated. I'm not quite as tall as, uh, <laughs> and that's not usually something I say, uh, but it's really so great to be here. We really, really, Jessica and I have really in, um, appreciate the very warm welcome. Uh, my name is uh, Jeffrey Meyer, and I'm a U.S. District Court judge in New Haven. And uh, in New, I was appointed, I've actually is that better? Okay, all right. I didn't know if that was somebody disapproving of something I just said. I, I didn't know, I wasn't sure. Um, at any rate, um, I've, been, I've been serving as a judge for the last five years. President Obama appointed me uh, and I was confirmed by the U.S. Senate. Um, now coming on five years after having done a lot of different jobs as a lawyer and actually a law professor uh, before that time, um, and it's one of the most exciting jobs I, uh, you know, that lawyers, I think, can ever have, is to be able to uh, serve as a judge. It's a very important job for very obvious uh, reasons. Um, and, and so I'm thrilled uh, to actually take some time away from there and come up 95 and, and to spend time uh, with, with, with all of you. Um, let me talk to you just a little bit about, if I can, uh, about uh, what the court does. Uh, and the kind of the job of the federal court. And then I might ask Jessica to come up and talk about juries, uh, and then perhaps we'll show you a couple of videos because you'll be tired of hearing from us by that point in time. Uh, and then I'd like to talk to you about a special program that, uh, uh, that, that, that was mentioned before the reentry court. Um, so as a federal judge in Connecticut, there are actually eight federal judges. Um, and. Uh, and they are appointed uh, by the, or nominated by the president, uh, uh, confirmed by the U.S. Senate, and, and then they stick around for a long time. Actually, under the Constitution, federal judges have lifetime tenure. Um, and uh, even one of my colleagues uh, who is still hearing cases is 95 years old. Um, and, uh, and so uh, they come in and we hear essentially, we have courthouses, unfortunately there's not one in New London. I'd love to have one in New London. Uh, but we have them in uh, New Haven and Bridgeport and Hartford. And in those, in those courthouses uh, we have a mixture of, of civil cases, in other words, uh, cases where disputes between private parties um, about sometimes about money or even uh, about um, uh, insurance or about 
uh, important uh, civil justice programs. Sometimes uh, I have a lot of cases actually that are tried before me in involving claims, allegations of excessive use of force by law enforcement authorities. So I have civil rights claims that come in, in, in uh, the courthouse. Uh, and then the other kind of case, and the case maybe we'll focus on tonight because this is Criminal Justice Month, are criminal cases, are prosecutions by uh, the federal uh, government that involve uh, criminal uh, charges uh, in some manner. So these keep us very busy with a lot of trials, a lot of juries <laughs> uh, come in. I'll be picking a jury for a case uh, just in two days from now and starting trial uh, for the balance of the week and the week after. Uh, and just finished up a trial last month. So it's really, really uh, intriguing and, and fun work. So what we guess we'd like to do is maybe, Jessica, if you want to come up and just talk about your, a little bit about your job, jury administrator, um, and uh, Jessica oversees kind of the whole district. And uh, I think our hope is, after showing you the video and talking to you a bit about uh, uh, the meaning of jury service, um, and it has a lot of meaning, I should say, um, we hope we might get some of your insights in terms of what we can do, be doing better uh, to uh, encourage people to uh, uh, respond to jury summons, <laughs> right, and come in and, uh, and be jurors. So come on up, Jessica. Yeah. Thank you, Judge Meyer. Thank you, Bishop Watts, and everyone for having us here tonight. This is truly an honor and a, and a privilege uh, to speak with you tonight. Um, so as Judge Meyer mentioned, I am the jury administrator for the district. What does that mean? <laughs> well, uh, it's, I don't do it alone. I have a team uh, that consists of three jury clerks, one in each seat of court, so one in Bridgeport, one in New Haven, and one in Hartford. And together as a team, we bring jurors in and help help judges and lawyers pick the juries that they need. So pers prospective jurors actually receive from us at the time of the prior to the time of the summons, I should say, long before the summons, uh, they receive a postcard from us that asks them to fill out a federal, <laughs> I see some, some smiles and some nods, <laughs> asks them to go to our website, eJuror, and fill out a qualification questionnaire. So that begins the process. And again, that's once we've built our wheel and we have a certain number um, of jurors to, to pull from. So the first step is sending out that summons, and eJuror actually has 24-7 accessibility. So that's, that's a good thing. When you receive those, uh, those questionnaires or the postcards to fill out the questionnaires in the mail, that means that you can go on you know, at night when you get home from work or on the weekends. <clears throat> the next step, once our jurors are qualified, is to schedule them to come in for an initial jury selection. And to do that, we actually send out summonses. So that's a federal summons that you receive in the mail. And that summons from the federal court will have two trial dates as well as, I'm sorry, two selection dates as well as, as trial dates that coordinate which, with each of those selection dates. And 
one of the ways that that helps us is that we're able to either defer or excuse jurors who are not available on those trial dates. So you're able to write into us, write into our jury clerks who read every email and respond and let them know that you're, you'll be away or for whatever reason you might need to uh, change your date. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> so the jury clerks are constantly dealing with requests to be excused or deferred. And again, by the time we get to the selection date, that really has narrowed down the pool, which makes it extra important that we have plenty of jurors to come in on those selection dates. Um, and on those selection dates, if you've ever served in federal court, you may find that we actually provide coffee and tea for our jurors. We also provide plenty of instruction ahead of time so that people know where to park. If people live in towns outside of the cities and they're not familiar with driving around, we have directions, we have maps, and we're always available. Um, our jury clerks are always available if you just give us a call. We have toll-free numbers in each seat of court. We have direct lines. Um, my direct line, as well as all of the jury clerks' lines, <clears throat> excuse me, are all on our website. So easy to find. When you come in for jury selection, you are paid $50 a day as long as you are not a federal worker. Uh, in addition, we, re we reimburse for any parking up to $15 a day. We also pay for mileage at the, at the IRS rate of 58 cents per mile, round trip. You can make a lot of money doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, yes. Especially because if you're picked, if you're selected to serve on a long trial, after the 10th day, your pay actually goes up from 50 to 60 a day. So, uh, yes, we, <laughs> we try to treat our jurors well. <laughs> and then also, if jurors require a proof of service um, for their employer, we will have those available on the date of selection. And then if you were selected to serve as a trial juror, you can actually go onto that same website that you filled out your, where you filled out your qualification questionnaire and the bottom portion of your summons, and you can print out a certificate of attendance that you can bring into your employer. We also strive to keep our jurors well-informed. Again, our toll-free number and our, all of our numbers are published on our website. Uh, we provide uh, quite a bit of information with our initial summons packet, and we really do welcome any questions and any concerns um, that jurors might have. They also, jurors also receive an updated status the evening before they're scheduled to report for their selection and also for the trial if they have been selected. So those are the, some of the things that, that we do uh, to 
make it as effortless as possible for you, for our potential jurors. So thank you again for having us here tonight, and I'm gonna turn it back over. We'll run the videos. I believe we sent two links, and we will play them back to back. All right, thank you. Jury service is one of our most important civic duties. The Sixth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution states, in all criminal prosecutions, the accused should enjoy the right of a speedy and impartial trial by a jury of the state and district of where the crime has been committed. In other words, any person accused of a crime punishable by law has a constitutional right to a trial by jury. The Seventh Amendment provides a similar right to trial for litigants in a civil lawsuit. So, how are jurors selected? If you are at least 18 years of age and a U.S. citizen, you could be summoned for jury service. Jurors are essential. They listen to testimony, review evidence, and render a decision in a civil or criminal trial. There are two types of juries, grand and pettit. A grand jury determines if there's probable cause or enough evidence to charge a person with a crime. It consists of 16 to 23 people and proceedings are not open to the public. A pettit jury, which you're probably more familiar with, is also called a trial jury. It consists of six to 12 jurors who examine the facts and render a guilty or not guilty verdict in a criminal trial. Before a jury is selected, the court and counsel will question potential jurors to ensure an impartial jury, as required by the Constitution. This preliminary examination is known as voir dire. If a juror is biased, Counsel can ask the judge to dismiss that person for cause. There are also what are called peremptory challenges. In some criminal cases, this allows counsel to excuse a limited number of potential jurors without stating cause if the attorney believes a juror will not serve the best interests of their client. But a juror cannot be excused based on race or sex. In some cases, alternate jurors are selected to take the place of jurors who may become ill during the trial. Alternate jurors hear the evidence just as other jurors, but they don't participate in the deliberation unless officially replaced. Before the trial begins, the judge or the jurors will select who will serve as a foreperson. This person diffuses arguments, ensures each juror has a fair say, and addresses any necessary correspondence or questions to the judge. During the trial, jurors will hear opening statements from both parties on the reasons they are in court testimony of witnesses, and evidence introduced, and finally, closing arguments. Throughout the trial, proper juror conduct is essential in order to be fair on all sides. In other words, jurors must not discuss the case and keep away from media, including social media. At the end of the trial, the judge will provide the jury with instructions and the final verdict is achieved. Unlike what we see on TV, rarely is there a hung jury or a jury that cannot come to a decision. If a jury is deadlocked and cannot reach a verdict, the judge will declare a mistrial and a new trial may take place. Jury service is a fundamental right guaranteed to all U.S. citizens. It is a civic responsibility that connects all of us and it is one of the very important aspects of our democracy.
following program was produced by the United States Courts. Hello, I'm Chris Thomas with the United States Courts. In this edition of Court Shorts, we focus on jury service. Every year, some local federal courts host the National Open Doors to Federal Courts Outreach Program. This program introduces high school students and their teachers to jury service, the most direct way of participating in our democracy. In this broadcast, students question federal judges from across the country on the basics of jury service. Let's hear what they have to say. Why is jury service important? Thomas Jefferson said that one of the three bedrocks of freedom in this country were freedom of religion, freedom of speech, and the right to trial by jury. So jury service is not something that's been important because it's been around for a very short period of time. It's part of the foundation of our American system. Juries are the purest form of democracy that we have in this country. Every week in courthouses around the country, six to 12 people will sit and bring a particular statute to life, bring the Constitution to life, and give it meaning. Without the jury, our whole judicial system as we know it falls apart. The jury is really the most important person in the courtroom when there is a trial. What is the role of the jury? They make the decision. The judge is the referee and makes sure that they understand the rules, just like people who play in a game have to understand the rules. The judge gives them the rules and then they make the decision. We like to say that a, a lawsuit has two two parts. There's the facts and the law. I'm the judge of the law and the jurors are the judge of the facts. They decide who to believe and who not to believe. I give them instructions on what law to apply to those decisions, but the jury uniquely decides what the facts are of the case and then they apply the facts to the laws I give it to them. How long will I have to sit on a jury? Most trials only take one or two days. You serve from 9 to 5, we take an hour for lunch, we take a 15-minute recess in the morning, a 15-minute recess in the afternoon. We strive every week to make sure that when a citizen comes to our courthouse to serve as a juror, that we use their time wisely. Is it worth my time if I wait in the jury assembly room but don't serve? We need a pool from which to select the jury. Those names are drawn then randomly and they go to the courtroom. Even some of the ones that go to the courtroom aren't selected for the actual jury. But without them being there, without the lawyers having the ability to pick the ones that they believe will be the fairest in their case, the whole system falls apart. Having the jury in the room, and maybe the defendant or the plaintiff hearing for the first time the case coming together in a certain way, sometimes will facilitate a settlement. Uh, so even if a jury doesn't hear a case to conclusion, they have contributed to solving the dispute between the parties. Is it important for the jury to be diverse? The goal of a jury is to have a cross-section of the community. And so if people aren't willing to serve, then only those who don't have a good excuse not to serve are the ones that will end up on the jury. And that's not a good cross-section. We want everyone to be there, everyone to have their voice in the way our justice system works. I just think it's amazing that you can get 12 people from different walks of life, different ages, different backgrounds, different life experiences, who usually can come to an agreement. Do you always agree with the verdicts? When a very diverse jury, both ethnically, gender, and, and geographically, uh, they agree unanimously, you have great confidence in their decision making. 
When you have 12 people making a decision, they're more likely to get it right. If just one person makes a decision, they might not think of all the angles. And having a jury and their ability to discuss it with one another, they can really talk through the evidence and reach the correct decision. Have you ever served on a jury? I've been called for jury service about six times. And every single time I show up, so I know the pressures and responsibilities of jurors. I think it's important that if I'm going to demand that other people serve as jurors, that I be willing to serve also. Why should I serve on a jury? Jurors invariably say to me afterwards, Judge, I didn't realize that uh, it could be so interesting and really uh, fun at times. I have never talked to anybody that has served on a jury, no matter how apprehensive they were before, that didn't love and value their experience after they had it. I think it's a privilege to be able to participate in this system that we have had for over 200 years. They walk away feeling that they are greater citizens and better members of our citizenry for doing that. In today's world, we talk a lot about patriotism. I think jurors who serve on jury duty are being very patriotic. They're doing a role that the Constitution asks them to do. For podcasts, games, homework help, and much more on jury service, Explore the educational resources section of www.uscourts.gov. With this edition of Court Shorts, I'm Chris Thomas. A lot of information and two quick videos there, but, but let me follow up on the last point that that judge was making about jury service being essentially an act of patriotism. And it is, believe me, it, it's a big, big sacrifice. We ask jurors to come in and sacrifice uh, sometimes days, right, at a time. And, and the fact that even if after, after you've served 10 days, your pay goes up to $60 is not nearly enough, right, to pay back what it is people are, are, are sacrificing. Most of our jurors, uh, mo most of our uh, uh, trials are a lot shorter than 10 days. Um, so, but I can say is, is what I'm always impressed with, sort of out in the street, and it may be sort of born in some cynicism about jury service and about the burdens of doing it, but you always hear people saying, oh, I got called for jury service, right? And, and what excuse am I going to make up, right? Uh, or, or in so many words, okay? Uh, what am I going to say to get out of jury service? Well, I have found... Um, and it's one of the things that perhaps most surprised me when I took this job. Uh, when folks get in there and they listen to what the case is about and they have the sense from the parties that this really matters, um, I have very few people um, who start making up excuses. Now, let me tell you, I, I always have a few, <laughs> right? I'll have maybe 75 people in the courtroom and there'll be two or three who are just, you know, making up every excuse to high heaven about why they don't want to serve. And my view is, okay, then don't, right? Don't. But I have a whole large number of people, the vast majority, I'd say, who actually won't lie. They will, they will be honest. They will say, yeah, I, I'm, it, it's, it's, a, it's an inconvenience to me, but I'm still going to be uh, fair and impartial if I uh, take part in this case. And really what they're doing is they're giving, I think, expression to the importance of what they do. Because this is the other thing you heard that the jurors do. You remember the, fir the first judge who's asked, right? The guy from Missouri who's asked, do you always agree with juries, right? 
Did he answer that question? No, right? He didn't answer the answer to the question, right? He says, well, you know, juries, and, and things like that. And the answer, I'll answer the question. I do not always agree with juries when I see them come down, right? I don't always agree with juries. But then I talked to one of my colleagues about that. Actually, when I started off as a judge, I asked this colleague, um, so, so do you always agree with the juries? And, and, and she says, I'm always asked that by the juries themselves because we all go and meet with juries afterwards and ask them, right? And, uh, and my answer to that is, how do I know if I agreed with the jury because I wasn't part of the jury, right? Because, because what's so important about the jury, whether it's six people or eight people in a civil case or 12 people, it's always 12 people in a criminal case, right? Because people's liberty is at stake, right? Is the fact that they put their heads together and they deliberate and they deliberate and deliberate. And I have cases that will go maybe one, two, or three days for trial. And the jury will deliberate one, two, and sometimes three days, right? All in, you know, a room together. Perfect strangers, right? Because they take it so seriously. And so the answer is, I don't know if I agree because I wasn't part of the jury. I didn't have the benefit of 11 other people to tell me uh, how they interpreted, you know, this witness. Was this edgy, witness edgy and, you know, not credible? Or how does this piece of evidence fit together? Um, and it's just, it, it really, it actually restores a lot of faith for me when I see how um, uh, dedicated jurors are and how willing they are to sacrifice to be part of it. The other thing, and the last thing I'm going to say about juries is this. So, after I bring in a, a jury and, they, and, and we've gone through the whole selection process and our, my clerk of court calls up the numbers, right? And you sort of see people say, you know, juror number 12, and they kind of, you know, <laughs> right? And they sit in their seat, okay? And you see, what you see is, you see them thinking, oh my goodness, right? What am I telling my boss, right? What am I telling my, you know, babysitter? What am I telling my significant other at home, right? That basically three more days I got to come back, you know, hoof it into New Haven, right? And sit uh, in for a trial and basically completely just put the rest of my life on hold. And uh, I see that and I sort of see them slumping there sitting in the jury and then watching forlornly as all the other jurors get to trot out the door, right? Free, free as bird, right? Okay. And I say to them, you know, you're, you're feeling like you got a pit in your stomach now, but all I can say is after the jury has served and I go back to the jury room and I meet with all of them and talk to them about their experience, I've almost never met a jury, juror who wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. Not for the world, I wouldn't have missed it. Because I learned so much from, from being in a different environment, right? You learn something, this is how we grow as people right? By, by, by interacting with people who are different than us, right? By being in a, in a situation where you you're, you're, have new challenges, where you're learning about new facts that you haven't been exposed to before. Uh, so anyways, that's my pitch, okay? For better or worse, everybody knows and comes to it, okay? N notwithstanding, you know, the whopping $50 a day, right? Or coffee and tea, okay? We forgot to mention, we actually give pastries, okay? <laughs> pastries, okay? They're making a little, you know, they'll add a little bit, right? But there, there's some pastries in the morning. Isn't that right, Jessica? You didn't, oh, during trial, during trial, okay? And during deliberations, you get lunch every day. We forgot to mention that, right? But that's not why you're going to serve. You're going to serve for the experience in the service. 
Let me, let me talk, and I know I only, we, have, we have just about 15 minutes left to spend with you. I, I want to change gears if I can and talk about, uh, because this is Criminal Justice uh, Week, I want to talk to you about a different project that we've started um, in, uh, in the federal courts. Uh, it's called the Reentry Court. And the idea of this program is uh, to have a different kind of interaction uh, with folks who are subject to the criminal justice system than the usual interaction that you see, right? Uh, my day job, of course, and oftentimes is, right, I, I strap on the robe, right? Come in, you know, the, the, the magic door behind the, uh, of the bench, right? Take the bench, right? Everybody stands up, right? Uh, I got a courtroom deputy, gavels me in, right? It's a very formal proceeding. Um, it's open to the public. Anybody is welcome to come in and watch it, but it's a formal proceeding. Criminal cases, of course, are very formal proceedings. I understood from chatting with some of you that some of you are involved in one way or another with, sometimes with the criminal justice system, perhaps in law enforcement. I think, Mr. Morton, you've been in law enforcement. I was learning about that and in service for the country, too. It was really impressive. Um, and, uh, and, and so you've sort of, you've seen some of that uh, that, that goes on. But basically the idea is this, with the reentry court, and we have a similar uh, program called the support court, which is focused on people who have um, substance abuse challenges in their life, and boy, challenges is an understatement, right, for substance abuse. Um, essentially, it's the idea is after they uh, have come into the criminal justice system, uh, for folks who have drug addiction problems, uh, it's actually even before they would be sentenced for a crime. Uh, we invite them to come in and uh, meet basically with a, a group of us. It's the judge, no robe. It's the probation officers. It's a representative from the prosecutor's office, a representative from the defender's office, maybe a legal aid lawyer. And we sit around a table in the courtroom. No gaveling or anything like that. And we problem solve. And we say to, 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 to somebody who's in the program, I'll take a, a guy like Kevin, one of our, our participants. Kevin served a, a 26 years in federal prison and he came out basically needing a new start on life, right? And he joined, decided to come to this reentry court uh, program. And we sit around with Kevin uh, every two weeks and we talk to him, Kevin, how can we help you uh, uh, get a job, frankly, right? Use contacts that we have. Um, we, we, I sit right on the edge of uh, the Yale University community, right? We'll bring in the, the head of HR for the uh, Yale New Haven Hospital, which is Connecticut's largest employer, right? To talk to people about what, what can we do there. But beyond that, right, we're not just as people, we're not just our jobs, okay? We're, we have full lives in terms of we need a place to live, okay? We might have, um, uh, you know, we want to hook you up with some services, try to find a place to live, get rental assistance. Right? Or we need, you need help with um, a health issue, a serious health issue. We had a fellow, Melvin, in, our, uh, in the reentry court, who's now graduated successfully, who had a serious eye issue. His eye was uh, basically just watering and tearing and just causing all sorts of distraction and making it harder for him to get a job. Melvin's now a manager uh, uh, at a, a, a national car wash company. Uh, but he, we got him, hooked him up with a, a surgical program and got him uh, surgery for that. Um, you might have health issues, right, that really need to, other, other kinds of health issues that need to be uh, addressed. There may be legal issues. A lot of the guys who are coming back into the community, 
they've been basically torn away from the family, right? And they need a place to, uh, uh, to reconnect, or some way of reconnecting with the family. And that can be hard. I don't pretend to know how hard that can be. But that can be very, very hard in terms of, uh, of reestablishing themselves, especially with the children. Um, and so sometimes there can be issues there, right? So we'll say, okay, well, well let's help you try to work that out. Sometimes if, if there's even, if they're in, for, in court for some reason, we'll help them get a, an attorney for a civil legal problem, right? So basically the idea behind these programs, especially the drug support court, is also to give them help with that issue, right? is um, help people, right? Help people, affirm them, okay? Uh, help them realize who they can be. Um, you know, if you've come out of prison, if somebody's come out of prison, um, you deserve, you deserve a chance, right? You deserve, you, you, the, the price, whatever price it was is paid, okay? It's now time start again, again, and, okay, not to have the system, you know, giving you back of the hand, in my view, right? The system, the system, right, which, you know, people in the system, the judge, right, should be helping. And so that, that's, 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 the, that's the vision we have. Uh, and so for everybody who comes into the program, we say, come in only if you want to, okay? We go to, I, two weeks ago, I, we went with our whole team up to, uh, uh, to, F, to, to the federal prison in Danbury. It's the only federal prison uh, in Connecticut. Um, it has both women and men there. And we spoke to them about this and said, you know, and you just see the hunger. You see these guys and the women, right, who are so eager to, to basically set life on a different path than they have before. And we invite them, come in and be a part of our program. If you'd like to be a part of the program, we'd love to have you. Uh, it's not for everyone, but it is for a lot of them. And if they come in, they basically get all their, their sort of post-sentence supervision shortened automatically. And then we have, if you go through the program for a year, we have a big party. <laughs> we have a, it's a graduation party. Uh, and, uh, and what we do is, is, is we invite, typically the guys who are in the program, I don't know them before. It's not that I, I, I impose a sentence on them before. It's typically another judge who's opposed to sentence. And so we ask that judge to come in and be a part of this party. Um, and for some guys, it's the first graduation they've had. <laughs> right? So we get a mortar and pestle, right? It's a, it is a graduation, right? And we celebrate what they've done. We talk about the amazing things that they've done. These guys, most of them have two jobs. Um, uh, or, and, and most of them have had other successes in terms of putting together sort of personal pieces of their life and have had reckonings that we've talked about um, at, at our sessions. And then we just celebrate and we talk about the good things. So uh, my suggestion is it's a good thing for the guys who are part of the, uh, of the program, uh, but I'm also gonna suggest one other thing to you. It's a good thing for this guy, right? Okay, because if you think about how the criminal justice system works, okay, it's seeing people for judges, it's seeing people at their lowest level, right? At their worst, okay? It's showing that side of them. And, and the next time, right, typically in the old way of doing things, right, I would impose a sentence, okay? And when am I gonna see that person again, all right? I might never see the person again, but if I do see the person, why am I gonna see the person again? Huh? 
they got back into trouble again, right? So what, do you think, what effect do you think that that has on judges, right, and, and prosecutors and others if the only time you see somebody in court is to punish what they did wrong, okay? How about we celebrate what they did right, okay? So that's the idea. <laughs> that's the idea is, is let's celebrate that, okay? And, let, and let's, let's, let's do that. And maybe, right, maybe next time I'm deciding what a sentence, right, part of what our job is, it's, it's the hardest part of what the job is, I will be more cognizant, right, because I've seen, oh boy, this person's a lot like Melvin, this person's a lot like Kevin. I see a lot of potential in this person. So it's a really important educational experience for me. Um, it's exciting. I, I just want to invite any of you who might um, uh, be inclined, uh, it's open to the public. All of our court proceedings are essentially open to the public. If, if for some reason you found yourself way down the road in New Haven, you'd be very welcome to come to the historic federal courthouse down there. Come in, visit with me. I'd love to see you. Um, and uh, if, if by chance you were there on a Wednesday afternoon when we hold the reentry court, we'd love to have you just be there and kind of be, bear witness uh, to what it is uh, that we try to do. We're not perfect, but we're, we're, I think it's a step in the right right direction. So it's just fun to sort of share the news with you about that. Anyways. Bishop, you told me people were going to start wandering out at 730, but I don't know if people have questions or if, if and, and if you want to wander, you're not, you're not captive here. Go wander, right? <laughs> you've, you've heard enough perhaps, but if you have questions for me or for Jessica, we'd love to chat with you about that. I'm also going to hang around a little, little bit afterwards, unless I'm kicked out of here. Um, so yeah, there's a question that looks like up in the top. Yes, from on high. <laughs> right, so um, the way, the way, the, the short answer is I did not meet President Obama. I'd love to have been met met by him. He's a pretty busy, he was a pretty busy guy. He's probably still busy. Um, but the way it works it for federal judges, almost all federal judges, unless, unless somebody is appointed to the U.S. Supreme Court, then they certainly meet the president, um, is um, the Senate leaders typically uh, take a key part of recommending candidates. And they have a screening committee uh, that interviews uh, lawyers um, from in Connecticut that both of the senators have a screening committee that make a recommendation and then in turn if that screening committee of uh, maybe 12 to 13 people um, lawyers and non-lawyers alike uh, make a recommendation of several people who then meet with the senators and then the senators make a recommendation to the White House so for me I had a recommendation made there and then I went down to the White House and met with the White House lawyers the counsel's office there um, and spoke with them. Uh, so I spoke with them, spoke with the senators, uh, spoke with the screening uh, committee, uh, and then I was, you know, luckiest day of my life. I got, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talented people out there. I'm not, I don't know if I'm the best of them, but I was really lucky to get that uh, opportunity. And then once I was nominated, um, you may read sometimes in the newspaper, there's a lot of, it takes a long time <laughs> to get through the process, and um, so it took a good, uh, almost nine months uh, before I was uh, ultimately uh, confirmed by a, vo a vote in the U.S. Senate. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. For 18, age 18? There, oh. <laughs> right. <laughs> there is, uh, Jessica, what's the, what's the age at which somebody can opt out? Right. Right. So, yeah. So some some folks do that, uh, but but if you're 75, um, so you've got a lot more years to go. Um, uh, if you're 75, uh, you um, can uh, you you can opt out at that point. Um, here, here's the reality: is when folks come in, and I've had this plenty of times happen, um, they've said, "Listen, I just." This is not a good time or a good season in my life to be doing this. It can be because they're taking care of family members. It can be because they're confronting issues with uh, any kind of medical issues and things like that. Uh, that's important. They're candid about that. And we say, yeah, we understand. So you, you certainly wouldn't have to serve. Yes, there's a question in the far back. Wh which facility are you at? Okay, great, yeah. Wow. I'm around afterwards, I'd love to chat and I'll find out more about, about your work. Our program is, is working with folks right now who are in the federal system. So not in the state side, state system, but everything that's going on, the state system, of course, as mo many people will know, is, is, is larger in terms of the sheer number of people. Um, and, uh, and it's really, really important what's going on there. My, my spouse who works as a law professor, also teaches and runs a program um, for, with Quinnipiac University to do college courses for uh, folks who are in, in the state prison systems, including, uh, I guess, down the road from here at Niantic, York Correctional. Uh, it's really important work that, that everybody who's working in the, in the corrections. Uh, boy, I'd say give a hand for, for the people who work at corrections. You know, upholding the level of professionalism there in a difficult environment is really, really impressive work. And, and I've seen some people really do it very well. There are other, other, yes. Yeah. So, so in my in my reentry court program, um, there is all guys right now, uh, and and the reason is in, per, in large part because of the way that cases are charged in the federal courts. The overwhelming number of cases in the federal courts, which are generally more serious than, uh, in terms of, in some ways, more serious, um, are involved male defendants. And um, so, so, so we would love to have women be part of our program. It's open to it, uh, but, but it's a re matter of reality with the people who've been in the program. Um, and I have 12 at a time because I want to get to work 
individually with everybody. Uh, they've been guys. Yeah. Yes. How much time? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so just to back up from there and to make sure people understand, um, the jury's function in the American justice system is to basically to come to a verdict on the facts of a case, if it's a criminal case. It's not to sentence or to impose a sentence, and they're actually told um, uh, that, that that should not be a concern of theirs. So um, uh, juries are not told typically then for anybody whether that person has a prior history in the criminal justice system. Uh, they also don't learn about kind of um, good things, right? Successes that they've had, right? Uh, they don't learn about family dependence issues, right? They've got kids or they've got others who are uh, counting on them. So the juries are basically are not, don't have access in their role of, 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 of determining whether it's guilt or, or not guilty verdict to those kinds of facts. So then to get to the answer to your question, does that make a difference? Uh, I have to look at the whole picture that I see. Um, so one of, one of the challenges can be, right, I'm trying to figure out uh, the whole picture, but I also, uh, I respect juries, I have to say. I, I, I just do, I, I feel like uh, it would be kind of the height of arrogance for me to think I'm one person, I'm smarter than the 12 people. Really? Really? No, no, I, I don't think I'm smarter than them. So even if I'm not sure I agree with the jury, um, unless I'm really convinced, and I do have that authority as a judge, and judges uh, occasionally do that. I have not done this so far in my five years, but occasionally they say, the jury just missed something really important here, and so they upset a verdict. Um, so, but so, so, so I, I can't help it because I'm human when I'm looking at somebody and I'm deciding what a sentence is. I'm going to have my view in terms of that, but, but I'm also going to really respect the jury for most of these. I, that's, a, that's a kind of meal mouth question, answer to that question. Did I answer it? I, I don't know. I, there's not a numerical formula for it. I just try my best to, to, to kind of consider the whole person, you know, in light of what happened. I don't know if there's other. Yes, yeah, sir. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so there are um, for, there there are a number of very notable cases that have been in the media. Um, involving uh, people whose convictions were completely vacated, uh, typically, oftentimes, because of DNA um, uh, findings. And for those people, they are able to apply to the Connecticut Claims Commissioner to seek, um, to seek compensation. And some of them have received fairly large, I, I don't have the numbers at my tip of my fingers, but they've received a, a, a a fairly large compensation, but does it really compensate? You know, folks who've, who've been, you know, lost 17, 18, 20 years, these are the kinds of cases you, you have. Um, 
other cases I've had uh, sometimes end up in my court. Uh, I can't talk about them in any kind of detail except to say that they, that they involve uh, cases in which uh, somebody served a very long time and then now they are suing the uh, police departments and, and investigators uh, who were involved for, for compensation. Those are really hard cases. Yes, ma'am. What's the longest period of time? In one trial. So the longest period of time, uh, uh, when I was a lawyer, I, I, I did an 11-week trial up in Hartford. Right, 11 weeks, putting on a show every day, 11 weeks. That's a lot of witnesses. Uh, hours and hours of closing argument. Last May, I had, um, I had a, a case involving um, uh, a bankrupt, an alleged bankruptcy fraud case uh, that went the whole month of May. I lost my whole month of May. That's what my wife said to me. She said, your whole month of May is gone. <laughs> because I was in court uh, listening to uh, a very lengthy uh, trial. The jury, uh, there were 10 members of that jury. I picked an extra number. I'm only required to have six for a, a civil case like this. Uh, I said, I'm going to have 10 because, because the jurors are going to drop like, like flies, right? When they find out, right? It's about bankruptcy, right? It's, it's not the most exciting thing. Um, they came in, those 10 jurors, and they sat for the whole uh, uh, month. Not a single one of them dropped off. Uh, and that was, to me, again, sort of another symbol of, wow, these juries are so dedicated. They sit there, and they sifted through the evidence and really worked hard to come to a verdict. Pardon? They, oh, yes. No, I hope, I hope we didn't give you the impression that, you're, that, 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 that you can't go home. Uh, our jury... <laughs> Our jury day, our jury day is, is folk, we ask folks to come in, uh, 8.45, we have coffee, tea, pastries ready for them. Uh, nine o'clock, and I'm pretty punctual about this, they're coming through the door, they're sitting in their, uh, in their uh, very comfortable seats, very comfortable uh, uh, seats in the federal courthouse. And then uh, they are watching and seeing the video, they have a video screens, they're watching the evidence there. Uh, we take an hour for lunch. Uh, breaks in the morning, breaks in the afternoon, and four o'clock, heading home. A lot of the folks that come to federal court in New Haven are, are from uh, New London area, actually. So uh, they have a lot, you know, it's a, it's a ways to come. I got people from Ledyard and Gales Ferry and uh, all over. Yeah. They do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, we try to keep the alternates down to a minimum because, because we don't want people feeling like they've wasted their time, but they're really important because there's cases in which somebody gets sick and has to drop off, and you don't want to lose the whole trial, right? You've been on trial for two or three weeks, and heavens, suddenly one juror gets sick, and you have to, to or you know, they have to go to a, serve, a memorial service or something. So we have, alternates are really important. Yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. No. No, I, I just, yeah, uh, you know, they do that. They, I think they maybe do that sometimes in, in very special kinds of cases down in, in New York City. That's just such a burden, right, on juries. And, 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 you know, maybe if there were some sort of a safety issue, we've never had any kind of a safety problem. I've never seen a case, in, at least in my court, in which a juror has been threatened or anybody has acted inappropriately. Uh, towards a, a jury, so we, we trust, we really trust in that. One of the things that we asked, and it was referenced on the video, is 
we really ask folks, if you're going to serve on a jury, you can't Google things, right? I mean, for all of us, who here doesn't Google everything, right? I can't, I can't find my way home, right, without looking at the Google, right? Right? You're constantly Googling things, right? So you always, and, and we sort of reflexively think of, this is the way we learn about things, right? Google it, okay? So we're asking jurors, don't do that. Stay away from the phone, okay? After the case is over, Google to your heart's content, right? You can look up all the people and read up everything about the case, but we ask people, it's so unfair to the parties if people are kind of learning things on the side, right? Uh, they're going home at night and researching the case and seeing if there's some additional piece of information that they don't know about, right? Or about the lawyer or about the person. That's just uh, so unfair. It doesn't, it doesn't give the person a trial on what's in front of them in the courtroom itself. How's it determined? Yeah. That's, yeah, of your peers, right? Well, it can't be your peers literally in terms of it can't be your friends, right? Because you wouldn't have a fair and impartial uh, jury. The Constitution guarantees a cross-section of, uh, of the community. So our uh, jury pool is primarily built on, uh, on the drivers, uh, uh, anybody who has a driver's uh, license who is a citizen, um, uh, and, and voter registration as well. And so then a random selection is made by computer of, of folks to come in uh, for that. So it's a jury of your peers. It might be a case that's arising and if it's in New Haven, right? The peers are going to be, in the federal court at least, they're going to be from all of New Haven County going up to, to Waterbury, I think, right? For, for, for folks in the New Haven courthouse, all the way out to the Rhode Island line. So your peers, I guess, are from Connecticut, from a certain part of Connecticut. But that's, that's what the jury is taken from. No, no, that's, that's unconstitutional. That's flatly, flagrantly unconstitutional to make anyone's race um, or gender, uh, religion, national origin, uh, any part of their jury service, of their qualifications to serve. If somebody is, is, is challenged by a lawyer, as a, what's called a peremptory challenge you saw in the video, uh, on grounds that, that might be because of race, the other side can ask the judge to invalidate that challenge. Um, so um, that's very, very important. And I tell the jurors beforehand, uh, actually have them watch a video on, um, before they ever come into the courtroom on something called implicit bias, right? The idea that you may not think you have are carrying racial uh, distinctions or, or sexist distinctions, but it's possible that our subconscious and psychologists would, and psychiatrists confirm this at, at, a, at a certain subconscious level, uh, we could be harboring them, right? And counting certain things against people because of the way that they look. Stereotypes, flatly against the law, and the challenges make people aware of these possibilities as much as we can. So I think we're out of time. Are we out of time? Okay, all right. Thank you so much. I hope to see you all in New Haven. Come visit.